Today's Tuesday, April 7th, 2020, and this week on the Birdland BS Podcast, we break down each team in the AFC North. Fred and Scott each do a live mock draft. Which one of them is going to have the better draft? And we round out the show with some opinions on the state of sports nowadays with this corona thing going on. Stay tuned. So let's take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. When excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. BS, BS, remote. What's up, BSers? Fred and Scott in the studio-ish. Scott's in the studio. I'm still at home in my home studio, per se. I live in the studio. Are you kidding me? Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> I know. This is life, man. This desk that I'm sitting at right now is literally the desk that I work at eight hours a day now. And now I'm here for another two hours or two and a half hours it was last week. Christ, hopefully we don't go that, that long this week. <laughs> last week we did run a little long for our fans. That's we for did. Sure. We did. Uh, just another week. Quarantined in the house. In the house board, in the house board. <laughs> not a whole lot to do. Uh, there is not a lot not to a... do at all, period. No. You can't no, go anywhere. Not... You can't, you know, you can't walk outside without somebody seeing somebody in a face mask 30 seconds right. into your walk. Yeah. But I'd rather see them in face masks doing what they can to protect and be safe, be healthy. So hopefully you guys out there staying sane. Maybe the alcohol from the brew of the week's helping you with that. Did I know you, it's helping me. Did you see the news that came out this week about that, by the way? What's that? In the U.S., alcohol sales are up by 240%. Are you surprised? <laughs> no, but I'm no. surprised at, at how much higher. Yeah. That's uh be a lot of alcoholics when this thing's all said and done, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but we got a lot to talk about on the show, man. Like I said, kind of prior to the show, With the Ravens not really making a whole lot of moves, uh, the draft is coming up, so we got a lot to talk about with uh, the potential for the draft. But what we're going to do, something a little different, we're going to take a trip around the AFC North, talk a little bit about each team, break down what went wrong last year, kind of looking at maybe projections for 2020, what we might see from them this year, and how competitive this AFC North might be. Yeah, I think it's going to be a... It's going to be a hodgepodge in some senses, and in other senses, it's going to be you know a, a division that is going to play out as expected in some cases. Yeah. So we're going to kind of get into that. I'm curious to get your take on a few different uh, things, especially there's one team I'm really curious to get your take on. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that as well. Uh, and then back by popular uh, popular demand, it's the mock draft 2.0. Scott and I are going to do our own mock drafts. We're going to kind of move through them quickly, but give you a little bit of a, a snapshot analysis of why we went certain ways in these mocks. We'll see how they fall, but uh, we want your guys' takes and opinions on that. Let us know who you would have taken. Do you agree with me? Of course you agree with me. Do you agree with Scott? Of course you don't agree with him. Shut up. Make sure you put those Jeez. comments in the field. Let us know. Why do I let you read these things up. beforehand? You know, it, oh, man, <laughs> it's my it's my time to get my digs in, Scott. I got to get them in when I can. <laughs> the only time you're going to get, sir. 
And then with nothing else really going on in the sports world, man, outside of WrestleMania, which I don't really consider that much of a sport. I think it's entertainment, but it's not really much of a sport. It's athletic. Don't get me wrong. It's very athletic. Yeah. Anything that's predetermined, though, to me, not a sport. Uh, But outside of that, not a whole lot going on in the sports world. So we decided to do an everything else topic, which is basically just going to be a catch can of everything else that we can kind of combine in the sports world into one segment. Uh, probably only five minutes worth because there's not shit going on. <laughs> it's a live trash can. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, but before we get into too much, uh, I got to pull up our sponsor read, which I did not have in front of me. It's two weeks in a row, uh, I'll just say. No, I had it. Oh, did you? That's yeah. right. You were prepared for it last week. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in as always. Uh, like Fred said, we got a good show for you. Go ahead, Fred. So if you've ever been injured at work or in an auto accident, not sure who to call, 855-MD-CRASH. The Maryland personal injury attorneys that have your back. If you find yourself in that unfortunate situation, and I know I have, hopefully none of you now because no driving except for the stores, give our team at MD-CRASH a call right away. We all know the cost of medical bills, lost wages, and pain and suffering can all add up quickly and potentially put you in a bad financial place, which that's what nobody needs at this time. If you want a team that will handle your case, big or small, and just give you some peace of mind, save this number now, 855-MD-CRASH. That's 855-632-7274. Be sure to follow them on Facebook for some fun giveaways to hopefully some future sporting events. All right. All right, Scott. It is time to talk some Ravens, talk some AFC North uh, as we kind of break down... Yeah, we kind of take a look at the uh, the four teams in the AFC North. We've already done a lot of talking about the Ravens, so we're going to take a look at the other three that we uh, we haven't covered yet. But before we do that, you know, there was uh, kind of a cool uh, announcement made the other day. The NFL released their all-decade team, uh, which pertains to 2010 through 2019. Uh, a couple of Ravens on there, a couple of uh, lifers on there, and a couple of unanimous picks. Scott, were you surprised with any of these names? Uh, so the names that were there, no, I was not, you know, the unanimous guys in Yonda and Tucker, like slam dunks. Are you kidding me? How, how are right. they? How do you not choose those two guys? Um, you also had some guys on the defensive side of the ball that were really named to the team recently within the past few years. Right. And you got Weddle, Thomas and Calais Campbell who all get the nod as well. There's one surprise that was I feel was left off this list. All right, where are you going with this? Cook. Sam, Sam Cook. Sam yeah, Cook. I can see that. Absolutely. He's been one of the best punters in the league for that decade, 100%. Yeah, I mean, it's it, the Wolfpack in general, right, as a whole, I was yeah. a little surprised not to see at least two of the three on this. Um, Honestly, I don't even know who the punter was. I don't even know if a punter was on that list. Now that you say that, like I, I didn't even dawn on me. The name I think for me was the big question mark that was left off here was Terrell Suggs. I know like his last couple of years that he was here, he wasn't the most productive Terrell Suggs that we known, but for the last 10 years to tell like he wasn't one of the best outside linebackers in the NFL. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he I won, mean... you know, he won all kinds of awards and whatnot throughout that time. Uh, it's just, that's kind of, mind-boggling to me I, th- I think really honestly i think part of that is what's happened over the past about two to three years is that that 
took away from from his quote unquote legacy. If you move his first what two years in the NFL yeah. up into this decade, and you move those, you move two of those three past years out. I agree with you 100%, but I think that's what's hurting him is those past few years where we've seen a little bit lower production. We've talked about it. Yeah, I, I can. I understand it to an extent, but I think you're right. I do think it is missing. I didn't even think about that one. Uh, I just looked at it and was like, well, these are guys that I know that have been around for the entire decade. So Yeah. But for the Ravens to have two unanimous picks on there, uh, the other guys being Eric Weddle, and Earl Thomas. Eric Weddle was a guy, just a model of consistency through his days in San Diego, uh, through his, his time here in Baltimore. D- definitely deserving uh, of his the football, award. His football IQ plays a huge role in that. Absolutely. And then to have Calais Campbell named to that squad, too, just kind of tells you the type of player that we're getting. Because like I've said in the past, his four most productive years were his last four years. And for him to be named to that all decade team just tells you there's still some gas to be left in that tank and to be excited about his, you know, opportunity with this team next year. Yeah. I mean, we, we just talked about Suggs and his, you know, kind of falling off. This is a guy who has really kind of excelled over those past, those past few years. So I'm excited. I think it was, it was great to see. I think the team will honor them in some way, shape or form if and when the, the season gets started uh, in front of the fans at first game of the season, I think they honor them. And if they don't, I'll actually be honestly upset about that. They are not honoring these guys. Agreed. Agreed. So like I said, let's do something a little different, man. We, uh, we we're obviously a Baltimore podcast, so we focus mainly on the Ravens. It's the off season. So we really don't talk about opponents bunch. We've just been talking about the Ravens. We've done a lot of draft hype. We've done a lot of free agent hype and all that, but we haven't really talked a whole lot about, what else is going on in the division? So let's talk a little bit about each team, uh, kind of where they were last year, what they went through, and what their outlook is for this coming year. And we'll start at the bottom and just kind of work our way to the top, which uh, leads us with the worst team in the division last year. <laughs> Had to have been the Cincinnati Bengals. The man. Bungles. Finishing, yeah, 2-14 and 14 overall last year under new coach Zach Taylor, which, funny enough, finishing 2-14 and 14, was their worst record in franchise history. It ties the worst record, which the season that they had, which was 2002, which was Marvin Lewis's first year as head coach as well. So Interesting. if that tells you anything, Marvin Lewis had a long career in Cincinnati. He did. But he started off on a wrong foot at 2-14. and 14. Yeah, no, he, he definitely – he started off bad, but, you know, obviously they became competitive – I don't want to say fairly quickly, but they became competitive kind of quickly. They they were able to establish themselves, and it was, you know, when you when you think back, there were years where there were three there were three teams always in the hunt, and yeah, it was us and Bengals and, and Steelers, you know, and so to to kind of see that and go, okay, wait a second, maybe maybe we're seeing them turn the corner again, right? Maybe this right. next year we see some improvement. Maybe we see a little bit more movement. All, only well, time's going to tell, but there there was a there was a lot that went wrong in this past year. This is true for the Bengals. I mean, obviously, like I said, they bring in the new head coach and Zach Taylor. So there's a lot of change. You know that that's been the one consistency through Cincinnati has been Marvin Lewis and has been kind of the message that he's delivered. So the change with head coach there, uh, they ended up like I said being the first team eliminated from the playoffs in Week 11 after they lost to the Raiders. Um, so not just bad in the division, just bad, bad overall throughout the league. Uh, but one of the problems that I've always had 
with Cincinnati was Vontez perfect. Like anytime I thought of, of Cincinnati, I always thought of Vontez. They finally got rid of him last who, year. Who doesn't who doesn't hear perfect and go, Ugh. yeah, like that guy's just a clown. Absolute clown. Um on the field. their first round pick from last year. I mean, like literally everything that could have gone wrong for the Bengals last year did. Their first round pick last year, tackle Jonah Williams, went down for the year with injury. Well, and then and, you had what AJ Green goes down too. Right. And AJ Green, that's been his one knock. As great as a wide receiver as he is, Can't he's had me. multiple injuries. So he went down for the year as well. Andy Dalton, without his main target, just never really got on. You know, it never really got in rhythm, although that's kind of been Andy Dalton's the, career. The Red know? Rocket just couldn't lift off. <laughs> well played. Well played. Uh, but they ended up benching him and going with rookie Ryan Finley, uh, which Meh. Meh. Eh, he, he showed some signs. He showed of, flashes you know, in potential. the pan. Yeah, but then I think once defense has got some tape on him, that kind of went away. He can't adjust, yeah. So So let's take a look at this upcoming year, right? And what can we expect out of this team? They actually had a decent amount of cap space going into this offseason. They, they had they had like $54 million, which was which was a, a good amount of money. Uh, and I think their plan of attack was pretty smart uh, in retrospect because as much as we talk about the deficiencies of Andy Dalton, as much as we talk about the injury history with A.J. Green, their defense – was absolutely atrocious last horrid year. horrid absolutely horrible so they attacked their defense i mean they started with signing uh former texans defensive tackle dj reader signed him to a four-year 53 million dollar deal he's kind of got a similar style to brandon williams like he won't show up in the stat sheet i was There's gonna say gonna he, be... i don't remember seeing his name anywhere in the stat lines no, you won't. I mean, there's nothing sexy stats about him, but he's a big body run stuffing defensive tackle that can make a difference in the middle of a defense. Uh, and when you're going up against a team like us who predicates our game around the run game, that's what you need. Right. Right. Well, you need big bodies up front that can stop the run. And it's a, it's a solid, you know, you're looking there at, at a pretty solid deal as far as what, that's 12 or $13 million a year at least uh, right. that, you're, that you're looking at for him. In order to do that, there was one thing they kind of had to do to free up space was they franchised A.J. Green in order to kind of start this process. That kind of surprised me. I'll be honest with you. I thought A.J. Green was out the door. I thought he had You really kinda, thought he was gone completely. They didn't even want anything yeah, to do Yeah, I thought that they would trade him. I thought something would happen that he would be out. He had kind of already voiced his outward displeasure in being there, and then he wanted to compete. He wanted to go somewhere where he had a shot at winning. Uh, but look. It's a business, right? And the Bengals feel like A.J. Green is a big piece for them moving forward and winning. And who knows? Maybe this could be a franchise tag situation that maybe midseason they trade, you know, trade to him to a competitor to try to. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Is that is that a potential that they they've got to, you know, he, they put him on that so they can save themselves money and then wind up trading him away, depending on how the season goes for them. Season looking up for them. Obviously, they're going to keep him. They're trying to look at contract extensions, things like that. But if, if it's not going well. They can dump him if they need to. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking the offseason, free agency, right, there's a lot of other options out there for teams. So when they're looking to add a wide receiver, talking about other teams, there's plenty of options out there. Yeah. But in midseason, when you've got somebody who feels like they're right on the edge of making the playoffs or making a run to the Super Bowl, and that one extra receiver, that one 
big play type receiver can put them over the top, you might be able to get a little bit more value for AJ Green come midseason. Question this coming though, year. Is that is that a little bit of a gamble considering his injury past? Uh yes and no. I mean, he was he was like I said, he was injured all of last year. He's 100% healthy according to all the reports out there that he'll be ready for week 1 if week 1 starts when it's supposed to. That's right. to be determined. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens yeah. with AJ Green. He's always kind of that that wild card. He can make yeah. a huge impact, but he can also sit the bench for an entire year. Yeah, but with them franchise tagging him, obviously we talked about Reader and, and freeing up the money for that. But then they go ahead yeah. and they make a few more moves in really rebuilding that secondary. Right? Yeah, it, it their, was, their secondary was they were getting really killed last year. Bad. Yeah, and I mean you see a lot of these teams out there that are good football teams that are teams that are traditionally in the playoffs and making playoff type yeah. runs, they're built with the secondary. Think of our team. I mean, we have one of the best secondaries, if not the best secondary in the NFL right now. Yeah. Right. I, that was, I think we're, we are the best right now. Yeah, I, I really don't think it's much of a debate. So I think Cincinnati's starting to make some, you know, recognizing that and making some adjustments as they ended up signing two former Viking cornerbacks they got Trey Waynes, who's 27, on a three-year, $42 million deal. Doesn't create a whole lot of turnovers, but he's a good coverage corner. Um, and I know that that's something Cincinnati's working for is they're trying to create more turnovers. But, hey, look, if, if, if the guy's going to lock a, a wide receiver down and they can't get the ball to your wide receiver, that's still just as productive right. uh, as somebody who can create turnovers. Uh, and then they backed that up by signing Mackenzie Alexander, who was out of Clemson, who was a guy that I cut out of college. I had a lot of high hopes for played a couple years in, in, uh, in Minnesota, had a decent career kind of up and down, but very low risk, high reward type deal, a one year, $4 million deal doesn't cost them much of anything. Uh, and if he comes in and, and as a starter at one year, $4 million, that's, that's a, a huge, steal. huge value for yeah. them for sure. And then I think the bigger move in the secondary was bringing in former Saints safety Von Bell at three years and $18 million deal. This is a guy that instantly comes in as a starter and can make a huge impact on the back end of that defense. This, I think, obviously, the DJ Reader signing was kind of one of their bigger ones, and that was just because of the size of the contract and everything. But with the football IQ that, that Von Bell brings and what he what he was able to do for that Saints defense – I think you see him come in. You you see him play a very similar role. He's gonna he's going to jump straight into a leadership role on this defense. Absolutely. Period. Absolutely. And then he comes from a winning organization. You know, yeah. out there in New Orleans, they're constantly in the thick of things, so that bodes well for uh, Cincinnati as well. And then they also signed former Ravens linebacker Josh Bynes, which uh, to us we love Josh Bynes here. He filled an important role last year. He was kind of that glue piece in the middle of the defense that really helped turn the corner for our defense. I mean, going from one of the worst defenses in the league to one of the top defenses in the league, right. he was a key cog in that. Um, it's not a wow you type signing by any means, if anybody would have signed it. But listen, like I said, their defense as a whole was atrocious, and they needed some serious help at linebacker. And you can steal a piece like that from your division foe. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I think when, when you look at that, like we talked about, we talked about Bynes and Fort being two of the kind of better midseason signings that really solidified that linebacker core. So to go get him, it's a really value of a steal for them to be able to get him. And like you said, steal him from us. We weren't going to sign him. I don't, as far as I'm concerned, he wasn't get he didn't get an extension or the, 
they didn't agree to an extension that we know of. Uh, so for me, I think it was a, it's a steal for them to be able to get him. I think he's going to be able to produce. But really, you know, obviously they they handled all the defense through offseason moves, right? Yeah. We expect them, you know, there might be a free agent move here or there. But really what I expect them to do is start to put some depth to this offense. We know their offense can be good, but they don't always have the depth on that offense. Yeah. This is where we see them do that in this year's draft, right? And obviously, with the first overall pick in the draft, everybody is pretty much under the assumption they are taking their what they feel is going to be their quarterback of the future in Joe Burrows. Right? Yeah, absolutely. That's a signed, sealed, and delivered pick. The only way that that doesn't happen is if Miami offers something absolutely ridiculous and they trade up to take Joe Burrow. Uh, kind of like a Saints type deal that traded up for Ricky Williams years ago. It would take that kind of stupid deal to get something like that done. And listen, I've talked about this multiple times, and I think anybody, anybody that's a football fan out there realizes this. Like the one central and most important piece to a football team is absolutely your quarterback and your field general, right? And Joe right. Burrow probably in my opinion one of the most accurate quarterbacks to come out of the out of the college ranks in quite a few years this guy can make all the throws and make them with accuracy kind of like a Drew Brees in that sense as far as accuracy but has more size and a little bit more athleticism than Drew Brees yeah and listen the the, the Bengals have some good pieces on offense like if if they can keep AJ Green healthy Tyler Boyd stepped up when AJ Green went down and had a big role last year. John Ross, still a speed guy. Yeah. If he can stay healthy, is a good third wide receiver. They obviously have the running back in Joe Mixon. Mixon. Yeah, as you so say, Mixon I, a lot opens up the is going to open up the game for a guy like Burroughs. Exactly. So I think if the if the Bengals really focus on Joe Burrow and then building an offensive line around him. That'll help Mixon. It'll help Burrow kind of develop because he's going to get thrown right into the mix pretty much right off the bat, I oh, yeah. think. I don't think there ain't no competition him between him and Finley. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, no. So he's going to get thrown right into the mix. And if those pieces come together, this Bengals team can turn it around real quick, which leads me into my next question. And I'll let you take the rein on this. 2020 season upcoming. They finished 2-14 and 14 last year. Where do you see this team finishing this year? With the Bengals, if all cylinders, if they're firing on all cylinders as they could with what they have, best I see for them is seven to nine this year. Wow. Uh, and that's, that's a huge jump. That's five more games than they had last year with a quarter. That's huge. It is. It is. And they have a lot, like I said, they have a lot of weapons, but that's that's if they're all clicking at the same time. I don't trust that the Bengals can have everything click at the same time. Uh, right. I, that's that's why I'm not going to even hire with them. Some I know somebody that I know that lives in Cincinnati was like, yeah, they're gonna, if they get Burroughs, they're going to be ten and six. I was like, you, <laughs> you keep hoping, Moss. Uh, yeah. I I really see seven and nine is the best they're going to do, and that's if everything is clicking for them. I do think Burroughs is going to make the turn for Cincinnati and really get them back on the map as a competitive team over the next couple of years. Year one, I don't expect a huge jump but listen I, I do see them going maybe six and ten if all the pieces like you said stay healthy AJ yeah. Green comes back he gives a full 16 game season I think it'll be a rough start you know kind of him getting used to the NFL and the game speed and all that but I think as the season progresses you'll kind of see him start hitting his stride you'll see the team start gelling a little bit and playing a little bit better so I, I see six and ten 
probably a cap, but that's still that's a big turnaround yeah. from two and fourteen. That's four games. It's a big turnaround in the NFL. We're not. It sounds like we're not far off. We're both right along the same lines. Is yeah. our, our best is if everything's click clicks perfectly. So I'll let you lead off the next team. Finish third in the AFC North. <laughs> our buddies up north, the clowns, out in Ohio, the, the clown Browns. Yeah. yeah, it's it's it is a giant s show up there uh, to say the <laughs> least. I mean. They finally, what this this year, they finally get a head coach that they thought was going to make it work, and it's going to happen. They finished third with six and ten. They were preseason Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, this was the team that everybody had on their sheet as, oh, they're going to. Oh, I think it's illustrated had them as like the. the I had them up there or something stupid. I had them up there. I had them making the playoffs. I had them going in through into the playoffs. But this was the first year under you talking about that head coach. You mean Hank Hill? I mean, uh, Freddie Kitchens, <laughs> Freddie Kitchens. Don't you mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Hill. know. Freddie Kitchens should, should be selling some propane. He might do better God at it. Damn it, Bobby. Quit <laughs> whacking off in my tool shed. God damn it, Baker. Would you just throw the damn ball? But oh, what's man. sweet about this Browns like failure is now this is 16 years, 16 years that they haven't made the playoffs. <laughs> it's great. I love it. Oh, well, our buddy's a big play. Weren't happy about that. That's for sure. No, that's okay. <laughs> Giant Browns fans. See ya. But <laughs> Sorry, look, guys. When, when you look at this, you know, this was, as you said, everybody was predicting this to be great. And this was, and I'm going to use your words here, the darling Baker Mayfield, right? Yeah. Throws 22 TDs and 21 interceptions. He yeah. was almost one for one. Preseason MVP. What happened, buddy? <laughs> I know. 3,800 yards passing out of this kit. Like, yeah, and not to mention, you have 22 touchdowns of 21 interceptions, but you make the trade with New York to bring in a, a legit number one receiver exactly. in Jarvis, I mean, not Jarvis Landry, in uh, Odell Beckham to pair him with Jarvis Landry. Landry, and yet you still have a shitty year like that. Well, and, uh, it's just crazy to me. But you, you and I talked about this previously. There was no chemistry between Baker and, and Odell. Absolutely yeah. none. Like and that yeah, Beckham is great of as a receiver as he is. He's a drama. He's a prima donna. Yeah, he's a prima yeah. donna when it comes to that stuff. Um, but like overall, what? <laughs> it's the Browns. Like I'm sorry right. to say this, but we saw the Browns. It's a shit show. Like this is Browns. what you expect from the Browns, right? <laughs> this is what it's gonna be. I mean, terrible they had offense, bad play calling. Yeah, bad play calling. Their offensive line was absolutely atrocious, and then of course. What would a season for the Browns be without drama? Right? <laughs> well, yeah, you knew dra- that was I mean, going to happen as soon as they went and got Odell. Like, right. you knew well, that, it was going to be drama. You can't obviously, you can't forget about the Miles Garrett situation, right? As he beat freaking Mason Rudolph <laughs> off the head like a rag doll. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> but I mean, as, as silly as that was, well, not silly, as serious as that was, because it was serious. I mean, you could kill somebody with a football helmet like that. Yeah. But when you just look at the impact on your team, right? This was a premier pass rusher. This was their best pass rusher, and you lose him now to he a was suspension. A, he was in Mason's face all day long. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, he, he, he was able to get to him all day long. He, I think he had three or four sacks in that game, right? And and he's, his numbers throughout the season were good. So, to your point, you got to recognize for him in that situation, the drama of that, he didn't put it together that he needs to be there for his team. And I know it's hard in the situation, and we got into that right. before, but... Overall, it really comes down to you really got to pay attention to how everything you do affects your team. You know, right there. There was, I guess, if you call it a bright spot for them, 
was Nick Chubb. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He was great. Almost 1,500 yards and eight TDs. I yeah, mean, he had a huge year. It's, imp- it's quite impressive for him coming in. You, you had high regards for him coming into this season. You thought he was going to have a big season. And here yeah. for the Browns, he does. It's, I think if, you, if Baker can not throw as many interceptions, obviously, and find his receivers and have more chemistry, you're probably seeing him close to 1,700 yards, if not a little bit more. If they continue to build the offensive line, which we'll talk about here in a minute, Nick Chubb has a chance to be the MVP in this league. Like that's the type of runner that he is to be able to put up a 1500 yard season behind that crap of an offensive line, get him a little bit of help. If Baker can actually show that he can be a threat with the football, throwing the football through the air where they can't just set in against the run. Nick Chubb could be a huge bright spot for them. And then obviously they added Kareem hunt, which was a controversial move. He was coming off the suspension. Uh, But look, once he got in and kind of got his feet wet, it seemed to open up the playbook and open up the offense a little bit when they had Chubb and Kareem Hunt back there because people just didn't know where they were going, who to defend. So that was definitely yeah. something that uh, worked well for them. I mean, they were they did win four of five between weeks 10 and 14, which is like right when he came back. Right. Uh, and then they finished the show just like the Browns normally do. They <laughs> choked it away with losing their last three. But enough about last year. Let's talk about this year, right? So they get rid of John Dorsey, the GM. He, he gone. gone. They get rid of Freddie Kitchen after one year. He gone. <laughs> they bring He's in uh, Andrew Barry, who was, I guess, like some sort of executive there. He's their new GM. By they the way, hire, yeah, a- Andrew Barry, got to give a shout out. He is a Harford County, oh, right, Maryland native. Right. Uh, actually right. graduated at the same time I did. He graduated at Bel Air High School. Forgot all about that. Yeah. That's right. Uh, And then they brought in a new head coach, Kevin Stefanski, who was the former Vikings offensive coordinator. He was actually in the run for the job last year when they decided to go with Freddie Kitchens. So that move I thought was kind of inevitable. It was going to happen. I thought once they did made the decision that they weren't going to bring Freddie Kitchens back, that was their guy. Yeah. Um, You had to go get one of those guys that you turned down last year that still was available. Right. So let's run down real quick who they brought in some new additions coming into this year. Uh, They tendered, Kareem Hunt back on a one-year $3.3 million deal. Why wouldn't you? That's just for that price, value yeah. there, right, for the player. Uh, the one question mark I had, they brought in backup quarterback Case Keenum on a three-year $18 million deal. That kind of had me scratching my head. Maybe they don't have all the faith in the world in Baker Mayfield up there. In Cleveland. I, I think that's exactly what that meant. I think, yeah. it, I, I mean, if Baker starts failing, his butt's getting sit or he's competing for his job. Or maybe right. it's maybe it's being done to motivate Baker. Right. That could very well be. Uh, we talked about the offensive line, so they made an adjustment there. They went out and signed right tackle Jack Conklin to a three-year, $42 million deal. They get him from the Titans. Huge, huge upgrade yeah. there on the right side of their line. Big body tackle, uh, aggressive guy. I really like Conklin. I was just to say, let's not forget what he was able to help Henry do. I mean, Henry's a beast within himself, but if he doesn't have a solid offensive line, I don't know that he's putting up the numbers that he did last year. So to go get somebody that was an offensive lineman for that running back and that team, solid. Right. They followed that up, signing tight end Austin Hooper, one of the bigger free agents on the market as far as tight ends go, if not the biggest free agent. Four-year, $44 million deal. In my opinion, it's a little rich for a tight end. I think Austin Hooper is a good tight end, but I do think Matt Ryan in Atlanta made him a little bit better, which is, I think, same thing. Hayden Hurst is going to benefit hugely in Atlanta, having having yeah. Matt Ryan throw to him. So 
we'll see how he kind of fits in the offense. But I mean, it just gives Baker another target in that offense. Yeah, it's going to continue to allow him to to flourish and especially get some of those shots over the middle, which when did we see him at his his best? When he wasn't taking time and he was hitting guys over the middle. I think you could really see with Austin Hooper, he's a guy that's willing to go over the middle, but can also go deep if you need him to. Look for that tandem to be able to, to really start to do more. Yeah, and then on the defensive side of the ball, nothing huge here, but they did bring in veteran safety Carl Joseph and veteran cornerback Kevin Johnson, another local guy, uh, both on small one-year deals, kind of low-risk, good value signings. Kevin Johnson's had some injury history, but he's been a good player when he's played and stayed healthy, so that could uh, work out to be a good value for them. No real big losses on the board other than Christian Kirksey, which was a guy that some people were high on and thought maybe the Ravens might go after, but he ended up signing a deal with with the Packers. Uh, and then they lost guard Eric Cush. He was signed by the Raiders. So those are really the two big losses uh, for the Browns. There are some rumors swirling around that they're in the mix for potentially Jadavion Clowney, which I think pretty much every team out there has been rumored to be around Clowney. We've been rumored to be yeah. out there with him. Um, so we'll see. It, it, when it comes to Clowney, it's just going to come down to the highest bidder. I really don't think he says, oh, you know, I want to win and all this shit. It comes down to money for him. I think whoever ends up ponying up the most is where he's going to go. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it definitely plays plays a role. But can you imagine if he goes there between him oh, and I Garrett? Know. Are you kidding yeah. me? Pair him with Miles Garrett. That is absolutely lethal. But then again, absolutely like lethal. you know, if if he were to come to the Ravens, him, Calais Campbell, and Matt Judon, right? Just saying exactly. So, so it, it could work. Looking out. at the draft, they they're sitting at number ten overall in this draft. As I said, I think it's really important if this offense is going to succeed behind Baker Mayfield, and I think if they want to see Nick Chubb take it even another step, they got to continue building that offensive line. So I expect them to be in the hunt for one of the top tackles uh, in this draft. Makai Becton out of Louisville, our guy Steve, uh, Stephen O. Jackson, I'm sure knows a lot about him. Tristan Wirth from Iowa, if he's there. Uh, But more than likely at 10, it'll probably be a guy like Jedrick Wills, out of Alabama, just because I think Becton and, and Werfs will probably be gone by pick number ten. It just depends on how yeah. many how many teams trade up for quarterbacks in the top ten. I say there, there's been a, there's been a few different projections from 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 some people that say that Werfs could drop back to them. I really think to your point, Wills is probably the guy that they're going to go with. Uh, I think he's going to be the guy that's going to be there. Um, it's really going to come down to. I I think you're going to see a little bit of it's a quarterback, but there's a there's a few edge rushers that are also going in the top that somebody might want to trade up for to to be able to to really um, solidify their defense so we'll, we'll really have to see that but let me ask you okay obviously we've talked about all the the additions that they've made we've talked about obviously the drama that is lebrown's what do you see what is your prediction for this year for the browns they got a good right tackle in conklin i think if they get themselves a good left tackle and stay the course with what I'm I'm projecting for them at number 10. If they get a good left tackle, gives Baker a little bit more time. Uh, I do think that they improve. I think that they end up finishing the year somewhere around like nine and seven. Um, you know, not a huge improvement, but an improvement. Uh, but again, it comes down to Baker taking the next step um, and, you know, the chemistry building with Odell and getting him some protection on that offensive line. So if all the pieces come together, nine and seven, in the hunt for maybe a wild card. I, I, you're giving them a little bit more credit than I would, but not by much. Uh, I've got them winning 
eight and eight, right? And okay. that's that's kind of you're adding more. They're adding a lot. They're adding a lot of solid pieces. But yeah. you've got a new head coach, and the giant question is, can he get control of the Browns and who they are, right? We know it's a shit show. We know it's a shit yeah. show. Can he get control of that and put his foot down and tell Odell to shut the hell up, tell Miles, don't take your helmet off ever again. Like, you keep your helmet on on the sidelines. And if you take it off, you're <laughs> right. getting fined, right? You know, that's a type of mentality that's going to need to come into the Browns. You need to, you need to have somebody that's a no-nonsense come into the Browns and not play yeah. games and not be willing to, to deal with people's crap. Um, Agreed. Agreed. So, Steven, we'll Steven Severs, I see you on Facebook, and I 100% agree with you. Way overpaid for that tight end. I don't think he's going to have the same type of production in this offense that he had in Atlanta, but we'll see. All right, last team. Last team to wrap up the AFC North, and that's the Pittsburgh Squealers, them <laughs> damn Steelers up north. They did finish second in the North last year at 8-8 eight and eight overall, uh, and, but ended up sitting at home during the playoffs, just like to do every, <laughs> every year, other year for the last couple of years, and I'm good with it. Um, started the season rough, man. They started the season with three losses, ended it the same way with three losses, but, you know, somehow – Ended up still staying competitive, staying, you know, through the thick of it, finishing at eight and eight overall. But listen, when you lose Ben Roethlisberger uh, in week two of the season to elbow surgery, you bring in Mason Rudolph, who just wasn't it and uh, never was from game one all the He'd way never through. never been the answer. No. No. Then he has the issues that he has. He has some concussions. Obviously, Earl Thomas knocked him out in a game. And then he had the helmet issue with Garrett. Uh, they bring in Devlin Duck Hodges. He wasn't it either. It was the same thing that they you saw with the Kansas City or with the uh, the Cincinnati quarterback. He came in, showed some He's promise. Got, he had first flashes of flashes in the pan, and that was it. Yeah, and then he kind of just fell off. And then Juju Smith Schuster was kind of a shell of himself. You know, he was asked to be a number one receiver when they decided to get rid of Antonio Brown, and he just couldn't handle the double teams that Antonio Brown was getting. I would say, but the difference. I'm going to play defense a little bit here, right? Because Juju Smith was asked to be number one with no true real number two, right? When Antonio uh, was there, Antonio was number one. Juju became number two. We saw that happen. Nobody really stepped up into that number true number two role. We had some like two B guys that maybe that right. they you could say that stepped up into that role for the Steelers, but he never really had that. If they could get a true number two, that might take a little bit of the heat off of him and allow him to get more catches and be that true yeah. number one. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how he go works out this year. Obviously, he lost Big Ben early. That's a big blow to them, right? That's obviously right. their bread and butter as far as their quarterback goes. So we'll see how that works out once Ben gets back in the fold. James Conner, his problem is he just couldn't stay on the field. Yeah. Uh, that's the one knock on him is he's, he's been productive when he's been out there, but he's been a piece of glass as far as injuries. I just don't see him having the longevity of a career. Uh, he's missed six games this past year. So I, mm, I don't know as much as I like James Conner and I like his story, you know, because of everything yeah. battling and beating cancer and all that stuff, you know, I, I pull for this guy. I don't pull for many Steelers. I pull for this guy just because of his story and what he's been through in his life. But do you, do you think, I'll tell you, do you he think it doesn't look like it to me? With Ben going down, do you think they asked a little bit too much of him, knowing that Mason and, and Duck were oh, yeah. going to be able to cut? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And they had to because, I mean, they, they were getting no offense through their passing game at all. So it was really heavily relied on that running game. And then their defense as well. Their defense was really the only thing keeping them in games. Right. And putting, yeah. 
putting any points on the board for them, really. <laughs> I mean, they had this the, this year. I mean, they were on pace to do some nasty things as far as records. I mean, they had 20 picks, 54 sacks, 22 forced fumbles. They had a really, really productive year from a defensive side. Bud Dupree stepped up, had a big year in 11 and a half sacks. TJ Watt still continuing to develop and become yeah. one of the most, in my opinion, one of the best defensive players in the AFC. Following right in his AFC brother's board. footsteps almost. Exactly. Uh, then they midseason, they did make that trade to bring in Minka Fitzpatrick from the Dolphins, which yeah. was a big move for them. A lot of guys here locally before the Marcus Peters trade were clamoring for us to make that move for Minka Fitzpatrick. But and I tell you, he made a big impact on that defense right away. He made a big impact right away, but then he kind of fell off. Latter yeah, half of that later season, the latter half of the season, you really didn't see a lot of, of production out of, out of Minka. He was getting beat consistently. Whatever it was, he, he wasn't playing up to Minka Fitzpatrick standards from what we've seen. Agreed. But you know what? A lot of credit's got to go to Mike Tomlin. Uh, I'll be honest with you. We talked about it during the season. In my opinion, if if the Steelers would have made the playoffs despite all of those things that we just talked about, in my opinion, I would have been okay with this with him winning the head coach of the year award just for overcoming all that stuff. It didn't happen. And I told you it, for me it was boom or bust. He either gets in the playoffs and he wins the head coach of the year, or he doesn't get in the playoffs and he doesn't get in and he fell short. Yeah, it, it, it hurts to it hurts to say that to give Tomlin credit. Uh, especially after what happened with with uh, Anquan, was it Anquan that he tried to trip, right? No, it was Jacoby. Jacoby, Jacoby. That's right, Jacoby. Um, but you got to give him his due credit, and that really freaking hurts to say. Um, yeah, it does. Because he it pains for me to give any kind of credit to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, because he, that I takes that takes a lockdown coach to deal with you know everything to deal with those two quarterbacks and what they were able to do, the lack of production out of juju you know your defense is is really keeping you in the games that's impressive to do to to kind of get yourself to that point and finish eight and eight and be in the running for a potential wild card spot all right so take let's take a look real quick at this upcoming year and the outlook for 2020 they didn't really have a whole lot of as far as cap space goes no. they entered the, the the free agency period with like 10 million in cap one space. of the, they, they were really one of the lowest little... in the league yeah Exactly. But they did make a big, pretty big splash move as far as tight end goes. They brought in former Colt tight end Eric Ebron, who last year had a kind of crap year. But the year before that, he was a pro bowler, caught 13 touchdowns and uh, had a really, really productive year out there in Indianapolis. You get him paired with Vance Ben McDonald. Roethlisberger, oh, who okay. has worked, you know, who's worked with tight ends in the past and has done really good with tight ends in the past. Good pass catching tight ends. Uh, you pair him with Vance McDonald, which I think Vance McDonald is still in the fold. Yeah, that's two good tight ends there. Well, that's why that's why I thought you were going with that. I thought you were going with you know the fact that you're you're going to have a dual. You you can run a lot more dual tight end sets right. and be able to have both those guys that you know you can rely on on a regular basis. Uh, it's going to be impressive right. to see what they can do. Which then you get those two guys able to do that. What's that going to do? Now you're going to open up Juju a little bit more because you're going to have your safety biting up. You're going to have uh, people, you know, stacking back and, and playing back and letting your linebackers kind of play a little bit more coverage. And then what can you do? You can gash them with Connor. They right. have the, these, all these things kind of starting to set up to, to be impressive here. And they did a few more moves on the defensive side of the ball too. Yeah. One of which had a whole lot of Intel 
coming from the Ravens. This was the head scratcher move of the offseason for me as far as Eric DaCosta. Just it didn't make sense because you never see it. But, the, you know, the Ravens traded Chris Warmly uh, when they first thought they were signing Michael Brockers. Traded Chris Warmly to the Steelers, which you don't ever see inner rivals trade like that. You damn sure don't ever see the Ravens trade with the Steelers. Um, and this is a younger defensive lineman, not a great guy, but a guy that can add some value, add some depth, can be a starter on a you know a weaker team. But I think we also gave Pittsburgh, up a seventh rounder too. It was Wormley and a seventh rounder for, for what, a, fifth. a fifth in a tw- in twenty twenty one. Exactly, for a fifth of next year. So that was the head scratcher. Plus, like I said, you give them all that intel. Now you've got two teams in the Bengals and the and the the Steelers. That's some inside information uh, yeah. as far as this Ravens offense and how things work and all of that. So that was that was the, the one move that was a head scratcher. They did sign, uh, we mentioned T.J. Watt. They signed his brother, uh, former Charger fullback, Derek Watt. So they got the Watt brothers there. Derek will be a good fullback for them, I think, in that offense. Yeah. Um, Bud Dupree. Ended up franchising tag him. I don't think that that was a big surprise. Obviously, obviously the year that they had uh, trying to finagle cap space was interesting for the Steelers. They had to let some guys go to make it work, but uh, they had to do it to Bud somebody. Dupree. And it was done. It was. It had to be Bud Dupree. There was no question. Right. So looking at all of that uh, and looking up to this draft, the Steelers have only six picks in the draft, excluding the first round. They don't even have a first round pick. Yeah. <laughs> they don't pick until 49th overall. So they need to nail these six picks. If they want to turn around this franchise and turn it around quickly, because your window is real small right now, as far as production that you're going to get out of Ben Roethlisberger, you might only have a year, two years, three at max at max out of Ben Roethlisberger left. If he can come back and show he can be healthy. So your window's small. And that's one of the things I actually was talking about. Somebody I work with who's a huge Steelers fan, he was talking about the fact that, you know, they're, they've got Ben coming back. And I said, but how long has Ben back, right? That's right. one of the things that I think you need to see them address this year. You know, obviously, you've got some of their big needs, like, you know, they need their offensive linemen because they are just aged out at offensive yeah. linemen. All these guys have been around for a while. They need some help behind Bush and inside linebacker. We know that they need some more playmakers at wide receiver and maybe a little bit more running back depth. But the one thing that they really, truly need to set themselves up for the future, which you got to get third, fourth round, I think at the absolute latest is where you're taking one of these guys, maybe fifth round, QB. You need to draft for the future. I think that's why this past year was a good year for the Steelers in the sense that I think they spent a second-round pick on Mason Rudolph a couple years ago. Cause I remember Ben Roethlisberger being kind of upset oh, about he's it. Pissed. Yeah. It was two years ago. Uh, yeah. But at least that gave him a snapshot ahead of time to let them know he's not it. We need to find another option. Cause <laughs> it, it definitely isn't made in Mason Rudolph. Uh, so yeah, you hit all the needs on the head. Uh, look, I'll start off the predictions on this. I think if Ben, if Ben can come back healthy, uh, I do think that this team still lacks some, some help at offensive line. Um, I do think they need a little bit more explosion at wide receiver, some more playmakers. I think that this team's right there in the same boat as Cleveland battling it out for that wild card spot. But I think both of these teams finish nine and seven in the division and it'll just come down to overall record as to which one hits that, that wild card spot. What about you? I think if only if Ben is back and stays healthy, that's the other key, right? Him coming back, but he's got to stay healthy in this. They could get to nine and seven. That's yeah. their peak. And to your point, wild card is going to be their best shot. I think in, in this division with everything that's played around, you know, depending on how 
the Bengals shake out with their draft pick and and how they how they start the year, we could be potentially looking at one of the toughest divisions in 100% the NFL. Agreed. Hundred percent agreed. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, what, wrapping it up here, man. Last thing I say because we a long time I didn't realize we were gonna break all this down, but there's a <laughs> lot of information to cover when you start digging into it. Last thing I want to talk about really quickly. The NFL draft upcoming, right? So the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, just informed clubs the other, uh, just a couple hours ago, really, uh, in a memo that the club facilities will remain closed indefinitely and the league will conduct a fully virtual draft with club personnel separately located in their homes. Um, This was actually yesterday that they broke this news. Eric DaCosta and the Ravens had their traditional pre-draft presser that they came out and it wasn't a traditional at all everybody was at their own <laughs> homes eric was at his house john was at his house you know every all the, the coaches and, and scouts were all at their houses um it's going to be an interesting draft to say i'm actually kind of excited to see how it goes i know a lot of the the executives and the personnel are worried about cyber hacking and you know people trying to figure out ways to to steal intel and wait, wait, hold on, hold do it. Let's define people trying to figure out ways to hack as Bill the Belichick. Patriots trying to figure out ways to hack. Exactly. Bill Belichick. That's exactly. <laughs> Bill Belichick. That was specifically plural. stated. Like somebody's like, we're worried about the Patriots being able to hack. Right. I mean, exactly. I, can you blame them at this point? Can no. you blame them? No, you can't. Absolutely can. not. All right, Scott, it's time for this week's Brew of the Week. I know you got to be parched because that was a long segment that we just did there. Unfortunately, I cannot enjoy this week's brew of the week, being that we are socially apart. isolated. Socially isolated. <laughs> what are we drinking on today? Or what so, are you- this week's brew is from uh, Two Brothers Artisan Brewing. Uh, this is their brew called Wizard Staff. It's an IPA. Uh, for an IPA, it's actually like it's only five percent. Uh, for them, they they kind of let it play off like it's it's a low alcohol, uh, but they don't compromise on flavor. And I'll be honest, this is actually I'll I'll actually use their words. It is crushable, flavorful, stackable. Interesting. All right. I it like is it, it is very it. smooth. Uh, and in their words, to to take a playoff wizard staff, it must be magic. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> no, but this make is, sure you this stop by beer. Liquor Stop. Tell Jerry Scott and Fred send you from Birdland BS. Make sure you get your ten percent off. What you got there? Still, guy? still doing curbside pickup. By the way, my wife nice. was actually there. She picked this up for me on her way home. Since we're trying to socially isolate, she's the only she's a central employee, so she's the only one out of the house. So uh, she went and picked it up for me. Uh, he said to, said to mention that they are still doing the curbside pickup. So make sure call them when you get there. They'll bring it out to you what you need. They'll take care of the payment. They'll take care of you. All right, Scott, it's time for some mock drafts, man. This is what everybody's been doing. Nobody's got anything else to do. Any Raven fan that's on Twitter has probably done 100 mock drafts at this point. The Draft Network does a a pretty good uh, system. They have a pretty good uh, simulator there for mock drafting, and you can mock draft a seven-round draft in literally two minutes, and uh, you can do it 100 times over until you finally get the draft that you wanted. But... (laughs) This is yeah. <laughs> uh this has been a very very popular thing um, amongst everybody out there. So who would you what, pick? <laughs> what, exactly. So what we're gonna do this week? We're gonna do something a little different than we did last week. I'm gonna do my own mock draft really quickly. Scott's gonna do his afterwards. 
I'm going to just roll through it uh, as I as we go without really giving you too much information as to why I'm going to pick it. We'll do that after the segment. Uh, but I do want to pretense this while Scott is pulling this up. So go ahead and transition and pull this up. Um, what I'm looking at here in my first mock is I know everybody out there wants to see the Ravens make that splash wide receiver, right? They want to get that, that, that big playmaking receiver. Just so you know where my mind is, if I'm acting as GM, there's a tier one of wide receivers, which includes three players, right? Everybody knows them. It's Ruggs, it's Judy, it's Lamb. For me, if those guys, now granted, we're not making trades in this draft. If those guys are not there, I am not making a stretch and I'm not pulling a wide receiver because I think personally there's other needs. I think interior offensive lineman is a bigger need. I think inside linebacker is a bigger need. We can get some wide receiver depth and get really good wide receivers later on in this draft, potentially in the second and third round, that I'm not going to make that stretch with my first pick. Just letting you know. But make sure you guys put your comments in here. Let us know who you would have picked. Let me know if you agree with who I went with there. Uh, and let's let's start this damn thing. Scott, go. All right. Starting the draft here. First pick in that in the draft, obviously, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Of course. Tua, Tua goes to the Dolphins, by the way. And yeah, Rug, that's, Rugs that's go, to be expected. Ruggs goes understand. to San Francisco. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. So here we are, and let's scroll down a little bit. All right, right there. That's 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 perfect. Come back up a little, like one more pit. Jesus. Um, okay. So for me here, obviously the two inside linebackers that are out there for everybody, Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen, are on the board. I'm a big Patrick Queen guy. I like Kenneth Murray. Don't get me wrong. I just don't like him at 28. I think Patrick Queen, if you're going to go inside linebackers, the better pick there. Uh, but, man, Cesar Ruiz, for me, this is a guy, the center out of Michigan, who can also stretch over and play guard, I think is more important because the O-line depth in this draft is not there. I told you I wasn't going to do this, but I'm doing it anyway. What? I'm going to get linebacker later. I'm going Ruiz here. What? Yes. Take it a page out of my book, Fred. Jesus. I told you, (laughs) offensive line, man. This team is predicated around the run game. If you don't have offensive line, you've got nothing with this team. We lost Marshall Yonda. We lost James Hurst. Matt Skur is questionable. So, yeah, that's my pick. You're up next, 55. Here's what you All got. All right, so 55, we've got Brandon Ayuk, big wide, or a good wide receiver that brings some versatility in the return game. Willie Gay, who's climbing up the board at linebacker. I like what he brings. Michael Pittman is my guy right here as far as wide receivers. If I'm going to make picks, scroll down just a little bit. I want to see who else is there at linebacker. And, yep, that's going to be my pick. Michael Pittman Jr., I think, uh, as the ex-wide receiver, he's kind of he's got that big body – uh, down the field athleticism can go up and high point a ball, but he's he's that physical guy that I really think would be a good pick there. All right, Willie Gay later. is there, so I'm going to take my linebacker there with my second pick in the second round, uh, second round of the draft, and I'm going to take. Oh man, Aquar was there too, and I missed him. God oh, damn it! Oh jeez, <sighs> what are you thinking, Fred? What are you thinking? All right, man, so your next pick obviously him. comes in the third round. 92, pick number 92 as it comes up. Here we go. What are you thinking here, Fred? So I've got my linebacker, I've got my wide receiver, and I've got my interior offensive lineman. So an edge guy would be sexy here. uh, Darrell Taylor there out of Tennessee is a good pick. Uh, 
scroll down a little. I really like Brian Edwards, a wide receiver out of South, South Carolina. Carolina. Oh, man. I like Van Jefferson, too. Don't forget, you got another pick go, in 14 Go back picks. up. Ah. Uh, Man, I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna pick the the need, and I'm gonna take Darrell Taylor there. All right, going to your edge rusher uh, now. Ninety-two, get one of our edge guys done. Hopefully, so, like I said, there's a lot of wide receiver depth in this. I'm trying to get two wide receivers in this draft that I really like. Uh, Troy Dye is another linebacker I'm high on there. Van Jefferson is there. That's my guy. Best route runner in the draft outside of Jerry Judy. That's my guy. I want Van Jefferson. All right, him. Van Jefferson. So here we go. We go through the fourth round. That's our two picks in the fourth round. Um, or actually, pick no. One twenty-nine is it will be your next pick. pick in yeah, the fourth that'd be round, fourth right. round. All right. So I'm done at wide receiver. I've got my linebacker. I've got an edge guy. Uh, I've got an interior offensive lineman. So now I'm going to start looking at some maybe some bonus necessities, like some like a safety. Brandon Jones there out of Texas, a good guy. Not real high on him. Um tight end is a need because we do have a third tight we do need a third tight end but i don't know if i want to take him this early in the fourth round uh tyler johnson another wide receiver that i like jason stoke strobridge uh the interior defensive lineman i really like what he can bring uh man i'm going strobridge there i'm gonna throw this before i click it just yep. remember you have a pick five picks from now at 120 134 uh, that's a good point see this is why we're in a war room right uh let's see i could have just let you go on that <laughs> scroll scroll down a little bit further um hang on nope go back up <sighs> brandon jones or strobridge i'm taking strobridge all right all right there we go still my pick brandon jones went four went there anyway uh, let's see. I really like what AJ Dillon can bring to this offense. Looking at the Boston College running back. Yeah, it's a little early. Not where I thought him, you'd I go on a running back here. Yeah, I'm going to take that third tight end here. I'm going to go. Yeah, that guy, Albert. Albert at the top. I'm going like, Albert. <laughs> God, I'm not going to try to pronounce that last name. That's terrible. All right, so our next pick is going to be at 157, right? Right after San Francisco. Yep. So coming up there, we'll see what you're going to wind up having. You got a quite a quite a decent spread here, guys. All right. While you're looking over there, I'm going to recap what I really what you, what you I picked really over want here. Another edge guy, come down a little bit. So, so far, you've picked an in interior offensive lineman, a yep. wide receiver, linebacker, edge, another wide receiver, inside or interior defensive lineman, and a tight end. Come down a little bit further. All right, back up. Go back up. All the way back up. All the way back up. All right, I'm all the way back up. All what right. You got I can never have enough corner depth, in my opinion. So, I'm going to take Harrison Hand there out of Temple. I don't know a whole lot about him, but said uh I, you can never have enough cornerback depth i don't care how good of a corner right. you know how good of corners you have you should always be looking to surprise you didn't go to Gidry there out of corner. utah yeah 
he's been another guy that's been uh, people have been high on. So the next pick, we don't have we anything. Seventh round. Pick, we don't we have, have anything in the, in the sixth, sixth round, so round, right? It's just the one in the seventh, uh, which I believe is going to be like pick two eighteen or something like that. Two twenty. Yeah, round seven. I'm going to keep consistent yeah, as a guy that I think would be a good value. We might even be able to get him undrafted, at least according to some of this guys, uh, some of these mocks and the way that they're going. But he's got ties to a former Raven, and I think he would bring some real athleticism to the linebacker core and a guy that can get after the quarterback, and that's going to be Zachary Orr's brother. So go ahead and filter it by linebacker. All right, filtered by linebacker. And find Orr. There Chris he is, Orr. Chris Orr. So you yeah, want to take Chris that's Orr. That's my pick. All right. So that rounds so out got- our picks. So I got some good linebacker depth there. I got us good wide receivers uh, in Pittman and Jefferson. Got us that offensive lineman that can come in and be an immediate starter at guard. He's not going to be Marshall Yonda. We're not asking him to be Marshall Yonda, right? But he can be a replacement for Marshall Yonda. Um, And that's what you're looking for right now, right? The the offensive line's got to be there. It's got to. In order for this, this offense to be successful, they need that offensive lineman. Uh, you're still able to get two great wide receivers in Van Jefferson and Pittman, in my opinion. Willie Gay, probably a very good value pick there uh, in the late in the second round. Guy's got a, str- a lot of athleticism. I went a little light on edge. I wish I would have gotten one more guy as far as an edge rusher, uh, but just that's kind of the way the chips fell. It is yeah. what it is. So to recap, 28th pick, you take Cesar Ruiz. 55th, yep. you take Michael Pittman. 60th, you take Willie Gay. 92nd, Darrell Taylor. 106, Van Jefferson, 129, Jason Strawbridge, uh, 134 is Albert, not even going to try the last name, <laughs> 157, Harrison Hand, and, and 225, Chris Orr. So that winds up being your mock draft roundout. So I think it wound up going pretty good for you. Um, yeah. I think when you look at it, let me go back here because this is going to kick me out. And there we go. Yeah, I think a lot of people, and Stephen, I uh, see you on book making some comments i i I agree queen wouldn't be a bad pick there at all and i wouldn't be unhappy with the patrick queen pick and really up until i want to say the last couple of days i pretty much every one of my first picks overall was patrick queen i think he's the best linebacker in this draft and he fills an immediate need that we have but do we really need a three down linebacker first when we don't we can make with the creativity that 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 Mark uh, Wink Martindale has on the defense. We don't need a three down linebacker necessarily, and they actually alluded to that uh, in their press conference yesterday. So, I just think the value in getting an immediate starter at offensive line benefits this team more. And just in my opinion, again, I don't hate the pick at all if you go Patrick Queen there at all. So, Scott, you're up, man. It's time for your mock. All righty. Time for my mock uh, to give you guys a little insight real quick into what I'm looking at when I go in. I'm looking first round. I'm looking wide receiver offensive lineman. That's where I'm looking I'm right along lines with what you were kind of going with and the picks you wound up going with there uh, were right on, on my radar. Uh, then I'm going to be looking more along the, the, the defensive side of the ball or if there's a solid wide receiver um, later in the draft. I'm obviously going to be looking for best available. I am looking to do the same thing you did and pick us up an additional tight end somewhere because I think we have a need. We did well last year with the three tight end set at, at times. I think we need to do that again. We need to have some more depth there. So we're going to see what happens. Let's go ahead and start my draft. 
Let's see All what right, uh, falls. Obviously, Joe Burrow, Chase Young kind of being the one-two punch. That All the usual suspects yeah. are falling there where they are. C.D. Lamb goes at 13, by the way. That's interesting. Yeah. The wide receivers, the three that I would go after if I'm going to target are all gone. All right, Scott. So you sit here on the board at 28 overall. Uh, You've got the same pick of the litter as far as Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen. But the one thing that you have that I didn't have, you have one of the better edge rushers in this draft, in my opinion, especially at 28 at A.J. Epinesa, uh, a guy out of Iowa that I know our boy, S.E.G. Sonny. uh, He's been real high on him. Him and you have the pick that I had, uh, Cesar Ruiz, the interior offensive lineman, there as well. So, which way are you going, Scott? Yeah, I, I think I got to go with what my gut is, and that is to get in here in here offensive lineman. I know that some people are saying I can pick up guys that are later in the round, but this guy's going to have, to your point, he's going to have a lot of upside to him later uh, in later years. He's got a strong upside. He's immediately plug and play type guy. I think it's going to be a, a huge addition for this team. Um, so I'm excited to to kind of see that he was available there. As much as I wanted to take uh, one of the linebackers there, I think it just made sense to go him. Uh, right. 55 overall. One of the better safeties in the league, Jeremy, or in the in this draft, Jeremy Chin sitting there. That's a good value at 55. Raquan Davis, interior defensive lineman, who's had some injury problems, but when he's out there, he is an absolute force on that defensive line. You've got Willie Gay there sitting at 59, the linebacker that I took. You've also got the wider, a good choice of wide receivers there, and Michael Pittman, Chase Claypool, and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Which way are you going? Being that I got, being that I got another pick in five picks, I'm not going to go too far down. I think uh, some people are are concerned about Raekwon's injury uh, issues, but I honestly am not. He's shown a lot, uh, and to have faith that the faith that they've had for him in Alabama, I think shows a lot. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go Raekwon Davis here. I know that we need interior defensive help, so I'm going to go with him, uh, and then. I'm going to go. You got the pick of the litter. Good pick there to be able to get Raekwon Davis and yet still have Gay, Pittman, Claypool, Donovan Peoples-Jones, all these guys on the board at 60. Good pick. So for me, when I look at this, and, you know, obviously you have Pittman, Claypool, and and Peoples-Jones as your top three wide receivers eligible right now. For me, I think the most value guy is the guy that has the most explosiveness out of the three of them. And when I say that, he set some of the the records this year for – uh, the the uh, combine and that's Donovan Peoples Jones out of Michigan. This kid's got some explosive speed off the line. He's got he can high point the ball really well. I think he gives you an, another guy that you can go down in the end zone. And if it's not working out with Boykin, he's another guy that allows you to have depth there at the wide receiver role. I'm not as high on Peoples Jones as some are, but I don't hate the pick. I think he's a good wide receiver. Just I think that this this receiver class is full of riches. That he's not the one guy that stands out to me. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so 92 third round. What are you taking here? Third round. When I was originally looking at this, I was saying third round. If I couldn't get an offensive lineman early, I was going to go again or I get another edge rusher. I'm really not getting a whole lot here. Um, from what I'm seeing, I mean, you got some guys. That, I see two guys that jump off the board to me. I know that Van Jefferson is jumping off at you. And That's I know that one. I'm sure. Uh, what is it? Are you, are you thinking Hopkins? No, Wallace, oh. the safety out of Kevin. Clemson. I mean, I know it's a little early. We don't necessarily have the need for an immediate impact safety, but, man, that guy is good. He is good. I don't uh, – got to look and see because we've already got – I don't want to go back-to-back wide receivers, but at the same time, Van Jefferson does jump off the page at you. Who do you um, have there at edge? 
at edge, as far as edge right now, I don't have anybody. No, I'm saying who's on the board. Uh, as far as who's we'll on the board, uh, Khalid Kareem out of Notre Dame is the is the highest one. Then you get into Zuniga and Ane, and then Highsmith, Alex Highsmith. But I've got to remember, I've also got another pick at 106. So right. do I think Highsmith's going to be there at 106? I think he is. So I'm going to okay. go with Van Jefferson. I'm going to go another wide receiver nice. because I think I think Highsmith is going to be there when we get to our next pick. Uh, I like that pick here. a lot better than your first wide receiver, just in my <laughs> opinion. I think Jefferson is severely underrated in this draft. I'm telling you, he's the best route runner outside of Judy. I, I, I get what you're saying. I just look at explo- the explosiveness that, that people's had, and I just think it plays a high role. Uh, all right, so he's here. I'm going to take him on the edge rush. I think he's he's probably one of the better better edge rushers this later in the, in the draft um, that w- isn't giving up a whole lot of draft capital, and that's Alex Highsmith out of Charlotte. Uh, I think he's got I a like lot of it. upside to him. Uh, he's going to really be able to set the edge for us. So in the fourth round, that's where I'm going with that one. Uh, let's see. I think we got another fourth-round pick, right? And then we got the fifth rounder. So yep. at 129, I'm going to go the same thing you kind of did here. I think it makes sense to add another tight end set. I got to go straight for Albert here. He's on the board. I'm going to take him. Uh, I think we need that three tight end set on some of these some of these plays that we're going to be running. So I think it makes sense to take him there. And let's see here. And the other guy, you you also chose him, the interior defensive lineman out of North Carolina, Strobridge. He's been on my radar. The only the only thing that I was I don't know if with. just my opinion. You've already got the interior defensive lineman and Raquan Davis early. We just signed Calais Campbell. We got Derek Wolf. I mean, that would be some serious, ridiculous depth there uh, at interior defensive lineman. Not trying to sway your pick or anything. It, it just would, but here's my thought on going Strobridge: is you allow him to sit behind a guy like Wolf, who's only on a one-year contract anyway, uh, and you can see what he can do and plug and play him, and you can develop a rotation if need be. Um, gotcha. I mean, there's some guys that are out there that I think could play a role. I just, I, I got to go. I'm going to go Strawbridge here just because I think he makes Still sense. don't have a linebacker. I, I think w- the linebackers that we have are going to be able to hold the front and hold the fort down. You don't need to have elite, r- elite style linebackers or even, I'm not even going to say high end linebackers. I don't want to say that when you're safe, when your safeties and your, your secondary is locked down and you can have a lockdown front end that you don't need as much coverage from the linebacker sense. And I think you're going to see them play a lot more. We've seen it across the NFL. We've been seeing these, some of these teams playing six and seven DBs. Ravens did it a few times last year. LJ Fort has that ability to go sideline to sideline. So I'm going to go Sherbridge here. I think it makes okay. sense. So like next pick will be 157 in the fifth round. See who I wind up having here. Fifth round, I'm I'm really thinking uh, this is where if there's a cornerback, I would I would probably grab him. Um, let's see here, who do we have? Ooh, Blackman out of Utah kind of grabs my attention. Um, yeah. but then I like Blackman. Gidry, I know Gidry also out of Utah was was on my radar. I like the fact that Blackman can can play both. He can play safety, but he also has played a little bit of cornerback in his past. So I'm going to go with there because he does have the flexibility. So we can we can get a DB there at a, a solid value that can kind of be plug and play in a few different spots for us. Got it. Um, so at this point, looking, obviously we don't have anything in the sixth round. Um, looking in the seventh round. Seventh round, I'm really just looking for, you know, what am I going to need long term, right? What are what are we shortest at on depth? And I think one of the biggest things that we're shortest at 
on depth as far as solid guys that we can develop is actually what's coming up on the top of the board here. And I'm hoping a few of these guys stay is these this wide receiver core um, that we're seeing. So with this, uh, let me see here. He's not even here. I think he played more of a backup role, so I don't want to go with Mac in Ohio State. You drafted two wide receivers already, didn't you? Yes. Okay. But I'm looking at long-term depth. In a seventh-round pick, I'm looking at where, we, where we're going to need depth long-term. But we still do already think you need a linebacker. You still think we need a linebacker? Absolutely. Even I if it's not that. a starting linebacker, I mean that's that's the one glaring issue after that we don't depth. So you got Martin out of Minnesota, which Minnesota did play pretty solid defense this year. Um, yeah, very good. Florida Reese, who which I know I know Florida well enough. Reese played a little bit more of a rotational role. He wasn't necessarily a starter, so I'll go Kamal Martin. I'll, I'll take yeah. I'll heed your advice here. You gave me advice. Or I gave you advice. I'll take yours since you took mine. Yeah, no, I think that Martin there is a good out. pick. Good pick late. I, I would have taken a, a linebacker a little earlier, <laughs> but nonetheless, you got you hit all the needs. Uh, I liked uh, you know I liked your offensive line pick. Obviously, we went with the same pick there first overall. Um, yeah. So, I mean, for me, when I look at this, I get exactly what you're saying and, and the concerns. But when I look at everything that everybody's talking about, right, all the moves we made, we had a solid, a solid secondary, right, that we just solidified even more with the rotation now of Jimmy being able to put Jimmy Smith wherever we need him. Uh, we know that Chuck Clark is going to be able to handle things. You know that that Marlon Humphreys and Marcus Peters are going to be able to do things. That's locked down. We know we've also done a pretty good job of locking down the, the, the front side for the most part. That's why I figured, you know what, with Raekwon Davis, we lock it down even more. So now my linebacker, I can throw another DB in there if need be. That linebacker DB becomes almost interchangeable to an extent, to an extent. So that's why I think you, you have a guy like LJ Fort. You know, obviously we don't have peanut anymore, but LJ Fort's going to allow you to be able to, to step up a little bit with the sideline to sideline speed that he's going to provide you. Um, and with that front that front line, I think it's just going to do well. So that's why I think I, I held off on linebacker and really tried to look at what are we going to need now to make us you know competitive and i know that you weren't exactly high on it but my favorite pick of this it's a guy that i've been high on is definitely people's jones I, I cannot get over how explosive this guy is he's a guy that he we thought we thought boykin was going to be good in the end zone he's a guy you give him the chance he's going to outplay boykin in the end zone because he can high point the ball like nobody's business he had the best high yeah, jump we've a, seen he's a true x receiver for it, sure it, it, so yeah that that's that's what i think it winds up coming down to uh for me but I, i'm happy with what i picked there I, i'm, I'm yeah pretty cool no it, so. like i said I, I wouldn't be unhappy with the draft the, the only thing last thing i'm going to say on this about linebackers go uh steven actually brought this point up so he kind of stole my thunder here he said did you not watch the playoffs game when henry henry ran all over the ravens d they need to upgrade linebacker core and i agree with that i do think that they got more athleticism now on the off or on the defensive line obviously with clay campbell and Derek wolf they did bring back uh matt judon so the edge isn't going to be as vulnerable as it was in the past but you do need that athletic linebacker the Patrick Queens of the world, the Kenneth Murray's of the world. I do think Patrick Queens better than Kenneth Murray, but 
this this draft does have some guys littered through the middle rounds that I think can really, really add some value. Uh, Willie Gay was a guy that I picked. I think he's a big guy. Troy Troy uh, Troy Dye, he's a guy that I right. really like. Uh, I do think Chris Orr is going to be an impact player in the NFL, whether that's here or not. And that's not just because of my bias, because I like Zach Orr. I just think that when you watch the tape on this guy, he played in a big 10, he played in a very good conference and he was a super productive player. He's got great instincts. He's got great explosion. uh, And he can, he's just got a sense for the ball. Uh, So there's a lot to like about him late in the draft. Uh, And when you lose a guy like Josh Bynes and then you lose peanut, you absolutely have to replace that depth. Yeah. All right, let's do a quick uh, social media shout out. Brian, who's not here, he just got home. He's been uh, he's been paying attention to the board. Uh, he, Stephen apparently at some point said, "My daughter just walked into the room and asked, Dad, why are you listening to people talk about the stupid Steelers?" <laughs> we ask ourselves uh, the same great. question. I love it. I love it. Uh, Steve, our buddy Samuel Jackson says Pitt's defense is legit, though, to be in they the playoffs are. in the playoff hunt with a QB named Duck says a lot. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, the job that Tomlin was able to do with that team and keep them competitive in the thick of things to the end of the year uh, between Tomlin and that defense, that's what carried them. Yeah. And to round out the draft, Craig Zero says, uh, what are your thoughts on Craig, on Kenneth Murray? I like Kenneth Murray, and I think if Patrick Queen wasn't there, he would be the obvious choice at linebacker. Um, Again, played in a very good division, a very good conference. Um, I think... I, I don't think he's quite got the the athleticism that Patrick Queen has, um, but I mean he's able to to shed his blocks. Uh, he's a, he's got great he's a great tackler. He's very very fundamental. Uh, he's got sideline to sideline speed. So Kenneth Murray, for my my opinion, at twenty eight wouldn't be the wow you pick, but I think it would be a good pick for the Ravens at twenty eight. It's a solid pick. You have no argument at that point. Absolutely. All right, guys, time for everything else because it's our trash can segment going on <laughs> right now. On this, right? A little rundown, kind of quickly through just some random sports topics kind of going on in the world. Scott, what the hell's going on with Major League Baseball right now? So, previous to yesterday, the MLB was talking about cramming games uh, if they start the season like 4th of July, like we kind of heard. Um, right. That would include like multiple double headers, you know, readjusting travel schedules and everything. Um, now reports came out last night, um, or I'm sorry, yesterday and this morning, uh, that the MLB and the MLBPA are considering a possible May start time. If they did that, the caveat is they would take place in Arizona in the spring training facilities out there, as well as City Field, and no fans. All the players would then sit up in the stands for oh, these wow. games and they would have to be six feet apart right kind of playing that whole piece yep my question to you is if those are your two options you're given you're right. either playing in july double all these double headers and the season's not starting until then or you're playing in may all give and take business wise fan wise you know uh spectrum of the game wise which way are you voting on this I'm going the doubleheader route because, see, some of the the options and some of the rumors out there, they've talked about like seven inning doubleheaders. Um, I just think that 
shortening the season, shorting the the game count, I don't think does anything of value um, for the game. And I think when you start looking at the contract that these guys make and the money that they make and all that stuff, I just for me, I'd like to see them play a full season, but obviously it just kind of depends on whenever the hell that this thing clears itself up. If they start in May, is it ideal that they're playing in empty stadiums? No, but at this point, us in the sports world, we'll take whatever we can get. I mean, we're, we're, (laughs) we're crying for sports at this point. I'm just ready. I'm ready to see some baseball. What about you? Yeah, I guess that's where, that's where I'm looking at and saying like, I, I get the idea of the double headers uh, I'm surprised the Players Association even considered that because of the injury potential that you have with that, regardless of whether it's seven innings or not. Um, I think if you're going to do that, you do what you do for a professional game. It's five innings, right? It's a five right. in- at the end of five innings. It's game. That's it. That way you're only really truly playing one more inning unless it goes into extra innings. And then there were still questions. You brought it up when we were talking. They were questioning, do we go into extra innings as like a home run derby style, you know, extra right. innings. Uh, so, for me, I mean, there's I, there's even some other rumors out there. They're talking about implementing uh, an electronic strike zone, yeah, uh, to allow the plate umpire to kind of maintain distance from the catcher and the batter and whatnot. You know, such as a safety aspect of it. They're talking about no mound visits with the catcher, or the pitching coach, or anything. This is again just trying to keep people as far away from it as it can, and obviously to speed up the game. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be a double edged sword for them. I think it, for me, I, I like the idea of starting in May. Get, get baseball going as soon as you possibly can. If it winds up being June, it winds up being June. But get right. baseball going as soon as you can. Start the season going. It is what it is. There's going to be an asterisk around this season no matter how you do it as far as I'm concerned. All right, so that's what's kind of going on in the baseball world. Uh, I heard some rumblings the other day, that, and I'm not a big golf guy. Really, the only reason I'll even watch or turn golf on is because of Tiger Woods, like the majority of America, right? I think that's just kind of, yeah. <laughs> for me, that's where it's at. I'll play Tiger golf every now and again. What's that? Tiger and Phil. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I did hear some rumblings that I think the Masters has been postponed. Is that right? I mean, this is a tournament that's been going on forever. Yeah, I mean, so the the Masters and the Players' Championship, both of the two of the biggest ones, the Players' one was actually the one when they locked everything down back in, like, what, the 17th or something like that. Um, right. That was that weekend was supposed to be players weekend. Uh, so that gets pushed back to September. And then the Masters, which normally gets played. This is normally Masters week right now. It's not going to get played until November. Yeah. And kind of thinking about this, they had a few other a few other championships that got canceled. But uh, another question, because I know you've played golf and, I, you know, I play golf. I've played golf uh, and we've played it throughout different parts of the season. You know, I've played in wintertime and every, whatever. But playing a, a course in april Mm -hmm. that course plays way different in november oh yeah absolutely 100 percent. grounds a lot harder just everything about it my question is was this the right decision to just push back the masters the most iconic in golf i think it's the right decision for all of these major sports to do this push back delay as long as you possible because it's not worth the risk at this point. Stephen L. Jackson, I mean, he he or Samuel L. Jackson uh, made the comment on YouTube, his opinion on all sports, do it right or just wait until things are normal. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of in that same mindset. I feel like as much as we're selfish and as much as we want sports, it's part of our lives. It's what, you know, it's what we're passionate about. You got to be realistic, right? They're not even letting me back in the office at work right now, you know, yet yeah. alone people playing sports for a living. You know, it, it's just... These are people that if anybody can absorb 
not getting paid for a few months Bad just for leagues. the betterment of the country and the betterment and the safety of, of fans and people and themselves and their families. I think professional athletes can, can absorb it a little bit better than anybody else can in America. So then what's uh, your, what's your thought on the UFC and their announcement with Dana White saying they've secured venues for the next two months. And Oh, by the way, he's got a private Island that he's going to do international fights at here coming soon. That's a joke. It's it's an absolute joke. I just that's it's all about money. That's all it is. It isn't about anything more than that. Um, you know, I thought like even the WrestleMania thing that went on. I know everybody loved it, fan, just because we needed something in our lives, right? They needed something to hang on to, and and it was kind of a cool concept. But still, these are you know these are people that are are, are in violation of everything that you know our president and our governors are telling us to do right to stay this social distancing to keep people away no gatherings more than 10 people all that kind see, of stuff unless it's essential see, business Fred, they the ufc it. and the wwe is not essential business they they do it we can do it where are you at you're supposed to be right here next to me fred we can <laughs> right, wrestle exactly. we can wrestle we can get on it air no so it's <laughs> i like i'm right there with you like it was a giant joke and every, they joked around with dana white but he like it was a joke, but they were serious. They were like, so you're going to have Fight Club Island. He's like, well, yeah, I mean, we're going to have fights on the island. We're going to bring them in. We're going to be able to do it. And it's like, my thought was, okay, it's one of two things. What is this, like Survivor UFC style or something? <laughs> exactly. It's one of two things. Either either you're trying to, in money-wise, you're trying to capitalize on the fact that you would be the only sport to be televised at this time. That's right? exactly what it or, is. Stop there. You don't need to say or. It's, that's or, exactly what it is. Or. Is this because the UFC had to already cancel two fights in two different venues over the past month? That's are that, they it all equals the same thing, money. But are they well, yes, but are they hurting for money or are they trying to capitalize on it? No, they're rich greedy Fs. <laughs> I'm not gonna drop the F bomb. You're welcome, Kaylee. Uh, <laughs> that was no, just, that's that literally was just for her. <laughs> that was literally just for her. I would have dropped it, no doubt. Uh, but anyway, no, that's 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 my take on it is I just think it's all their money grub hungry people that are just selfish. And I, I think it's absolutely sickening, in my opinion. Last thing that we're going to talk about in this everything else, and this kind of happened a couple of hours prior to the show. Uh, and this is local, right? The Terps. Uh, you know, we do normally the shell and tell segment at this point. Not a whole lot going on with the Terps, but big news. Uh, Jalen Smith declared officially for the N the NBA draft, which I'm not going to say it was a surprise because it wasn't after the year that he had. And obviously with everything going on right now, I think it is the right move for him. It's just, I thought with the delay in decision, uh, some of the clamoring that came around from his parents last year with them yeah. talking about, you know, the potential the it, education, like, they wanted to focus how on his education. Yeah. Exactly. How important education was for them and for him. Uh, that I thought I was holding on to hope that we might see Jalen Smith come back, but look, he had a great yeah. career, great two years here. Um, a local guy staying local again. Uh, I still have high hopes for this Terps team, but they really, really need to make some moves in the transfer portal, uh, transfer portal. But uh, guys are falling off left and right like flies right now. Two minutes warning. 
All right, Scott, it's time for the two-minute warning. We don't have our bartender here to read us our questions, and we're going to have to fly by the seat of our pants. I haven't even read these questions yet, so I'm legitimately answering these <laughs> on the fly. So I'll start just so I can kind of see how this thing goes and where your where your mind at was these questions because you wrote the questions. All so right. I'll start this off. It's talking about the UFC. We'll keep it there. Fighter Anthony Smith fought fought off a home invader on Sunday morning. The invader was arrested, but there are now some that are worried that the intruder may press charges on Smith. Your thoughts? So for me, you walk into somebody's house and he's got deadly weapons for hands, you deserve it. All right. But see, that's the problem here is these guys literally, these fighters have to register. They, they are literally can be considered. That's why they can't get in fights outside of the UFC. They are literally registered weapons, right? I'm sorry. This guy has no right to sue. Nobody has any right to sue when you're intruding as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. If this guy made a decision to break into somebody's house. Oops, my bad. You broke into somebody's house you definitely shouldn't have broken into. And if you I'm picked the wrong UFC mofo. Fighter, if I'm a trained UFC fighter or I'm just some fat guy that works at Stanley Black and Decker, whatever, I'm going to beat your ass if you break into my house. I'm going to protect what's mine. Like, I don't care who you are. That's absolutely ridiculous that this guy's going to try to press charges. This guy's just trying to flip the script and make some money. All right. What's our next question there? All right. League sources leaked this week that the Rams and Chargers are actually going to star in HBO's Hard Knocks this year. Two teams never done before. Are these the right teams for this show? Uh, I have to go with no. Uh, I think many more people, if you want to get something that's off the charts right now, get a team like the Ravens who are high right now, the Ravens and the Chiefs or the, you know, the Ravens and even Tampa Bay would be another obvious choice to me. You see all these changes, these adjustments. You want people to view in and, and tune into what's going on. You take what's hot. I don't know. It, it's, it's the Rams. Sean McVay. He's a good looking dude, right? He's like that Hollywood guy. I, shit. I think it makes sense for the Rams. I'm not, a, I don't understand the chargers. The chargers are kind of going through a rebuild at this point. Maybe yeah. that's got some appeal there. Uh, Philip Rivers got out of town right at the nick of time if he didn't want to be involved in that thing. But I like the HBO Hard Knocks series. I always have since the Ravens debuted it. I'm looking forward to it. I want to see what the difference is. Yeah, I'm curious to see what winds up happening. For sure. All right, Scott, sign us off. All right, man. We want to appreciate each and every one of you guys tuning in this week. Good show this week. Obviously, a little bit different format than what you guys are used to. Uh, we want to also put it out there. If you guys have any thoughts uh, on some things that you want to see us share on the show, uh, you can obviously hit each of us up on our Twitter pages. You can direct message us. Uh, you can email us, birdlandbs at gmail.com. Email us, you know, if you've got some topics you want to hear us talk about. Obviously, there's not a whole lot going on. We come up, we're struggling for topics each week. Uh, we want to give you something. Some of these weeks, we may have some shorter shows. Uh, but if you guys provide us with some things that you want to hear us talk about, we are more than willing to do that. Make sure you check out all of our episodes on www.birdlandbs.com. While you're there, you can learn about each of us. You can get all of your Birdland BS gear, which I know, Fred, you got your sport in your polo over there. I do. I got uh, it. Yeah, there, we go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Make sure you all also check us out through the Big Play app, Big Play Twitter page, and also on the Big Play website, birdlandsports.com. We're also hosted on there. 
Make sure you always tune in to our audio version of our podcast as well. Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, whatever app you listen to, go check us out. We're there. And obviously on all the social media pages, just search Birdland BS. You'll be able to find us at Fred BLBS. You're over there today. At Fred BLBS, at Scott BLBS, at bartender underscore Blake. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. We'll be back next Tuesday night, 730, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. You name it, we're there. We'll see you guys next week for Fred, myself, and Brian, who's not here because he got a new car. We'll see you guys. See you guys.